And here we go. We're holding by chapter four. And the Jewish people are in trouble. The plan has started. Haman and Achishverosh, the king, have made their uh, have signed their decree and have sent it out all over the place that in almost a year from then, the everyone is going to have full permission to destroy the Jewish people and plunder all their possessions, keep it for themselves. Like we said last time, usually the plunder the plundered stuff would end up going to the king but no they agreed let everyone keep the stuff for themselves because that will be a beautiful incentive to make everyone attack the jewish people so we're having some trouble at the beginning of chapter four and verse one mordechai knew all that had occurred so mordechai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ash he went out into the city crying loudly and bitterly um different opinions of how Mordechai figures things out. Obviously, the decree was being sent around, so he must have heard it from there, but um, there were um, two letters being sent out, and he he had access to the one that had more of uh, more inside information about the terribleness of the plan, and according to some opinions, Elijah the prophet actually came to tell Mordechai everything that was happening, and Mordechai said, now is the time to get closer to god also obviously he knew the deeper meaning about mordechai knew all that had that had occurred he knew not just what happened down here in the physical world the decree that had been decided but he also knew what was going on in the heavenly um abodes why god had made this decree of annihilation on the jewish people and that now is the time that they need to try to fix things up get back into god's good graces so to speak to make sure that the jewish people will survive and in case you're getting a little too worried now, the story's getting too scary. Don't worry, it's going to have a happy ending. And Mordechai says here, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ash. So really, we know that he was always sitting at the, at the gate, the, the, the royal gate. Now, if you're going to hang out by the palace, you better be dressed up properly, wearing the right uh, attire. But Mordechai said, no, in this case, I don't really care too much about what's happening Um with physical kings, I need to make sure I'm good graces with the our heavenly king, with Hashem, with God. So I'm not going to be sitting here in my special nice clothing. I'm going to show I rely on God. I'm not going to rely on the physical king, Ahasuerus. I need to be in his good graces. I need to make sure I walk around comfortable and, and, and nicely dressed. But I need to make sure that I am busy with a process called tshuva. That I'm busy doing my repentance, making sure that I'm... I'm really focusing inward now, trying to see what went wrong, what is my generation doing wrong, and how can we make up for this? So, yes, I will be putting on ashes and a sackcloth. Let everyone see me focusing inwards, because that's what matters now. Not what the human king thinks about me, but let the heavenly king, let God know that I'm busy trying to fix up whatever has to get fixed up, spiritually speaking. Um and not only himself, but obviously Mordechai, as the Jewish leader of that time, called on all the Jewish people to turn to God. First, we're going to fix up our spiritual condition, and only then are we going to start working on a physical plan on how to solve the situation by asking Esther, our queen, our inside person, to approach the king. Um, and here we also see in the comment that noticing Haman's good cheer, Mordechai sensed an evil conspiracy. As we said, there were two letters being sent out. One letter was more clear about the the inside information, what's really going to happen. 
Um, and the other one was more a little bit generic. So everyone had access to the generic one. There's going to be some sort of thing happening. But when, when Mordechai saw Haman being a little too happy, that's when he realized, no, this is, this is something connected to Haman trying to get rid of us Jews. So he, Mordechai wasn't sure. Will his plan succeed or will it not? So he stopped three Jewish children coming out of school. And he asked them what they had learned that day. So the first child quoted the verse from Proverbs. Do not fear a sudden terror, nor the destruction of the wicked when it comes. Well, that's uh, appropriate. That seems to be a message from heaven not to be too concerned. The second quoted the verse from Isaiah, contrive a scheme, but it will be foiled, conspire a plot, but it will not materialize, for God is with us. Another wonderful message. And then the third quoted the verse, to your old age I am with you, to your hoary years I'll sustain you, I have made you and I'll carry you, I'll sustain you and deliver you. And hearing the children's prophecy, so to speak, Mordechai rejoiced, is what the Midrash tells us, because now he realized God is with us, and maybe we're getting a heavenly message over here, but it's going to be okay. We need to do what we need to do. We need to to harness our spiritual powers, but God will come save us. And by the way, um, these verses are from prophets, and those uh, ver- these verses are not just relevant during the times of the Purim story. They're as If they were recorded for, for all of us to always read at any time, that includes nowadays. So we can, until today and forever, we have God's promise of all these verses that, are, that we just quoted to not be worried because God is always with us and he'll always help us. He'll always sustain us at all times, not just in times of the Purim story, but even in nowadays too. And we have... Verse 2, he went up until the king's gate, for it's improper to enter the king's gate wearing sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the edict of the king and his law reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, crying, and wailing. Sackcloth and ash were spread out for the masses. So, that's a lot of uh, descriptions of uh, how the Jewish people were sad. I mean, we can understand they were sad. This is kind of scary. We're getting this message that uh, uh, the whole world is pretty much getting ready to kill the Jewish people. So obviously the people are sad. But specifically, why is the Megillah telling us six words, warning, fasting, crying, wailing, sackcloth and ashes to describe the situation? I mean, it's understandable. But the Medrash says that it's to indicate... We heard we have these six words describing it to indicate the repentance for the six days that they enjoyed the feast that Ahasuerus made for them in Shushan. But let's go back because the Megillah says that Ahasuerus made a party for the people in the capital city of Shushan. It was for seven days. So why are the Jewish people only now doing repentance for six days? What happened to the seventh? So we're going to read through the comment under, under verse three. And we're going to going to be some numbers but we can follow along and even if numbers get you a little confused we'll get to the bottom line it's easiest to remember so in describing the feast when the Megillah set tells us about the seven day feast or actually first it mentions a different feast it mentions the party that Ahasuerus made for everyone not just the inhabitants of the capital of Shushan so um, the Megillah says Ahasuerus displayed his riches for many days 180 days uh, let's go back what Many days is a really beautiful thing. Why do we need to know specifically 180 days? And if you're going to tell us 180 days, then we know that that means many days. So why do we have these two descriptions of the of the amount of days that Ahasuerus made his whole party? So 
why does Miguel have to tell us this? Because from the words where it says many days, we learn something else, not just the amount of days. We know the amount of days, it says 180, but many days means that it, what took place in the summertime. Because in the summer times, the days are longer. So many days basically means longer days, meaning it was summertime. So from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is when springtime comes, when the days are, are longer, till Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, with three months being 29 days and the other months 30 days, there is a total of 177 days. And the 180th day was therefore on the third day of Tishrei. And that is, so now we know that the whole party of Ahasuerus for the whole, everyone, for 180 days, started on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We end up being that Rosh Chodesh Tishrei is 177, 177 days later. Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, that's Rosh Hashanah. So then the third day of Tishrei is when the next party started. Because as Megillah tells us, after the 180-day party, that's when the seven-day party started for the people of Shushan. And that's the party we need to be focusing on now. Because as we said, the Megillah describes six words of sadness because of the six forms of um, the, the six days that the Jewish people were doing their repentance on, six days of, of joining the party. So what's going on over here? This party that the Jewish people are doing their repentance on started on the third day of the month of Tishrei. On the fourth day, I'm sorry. And that means that the seventh day, the last day of that party, falls out on the 10th day of Tishrei. Now look at the Jewish calendar. The 10th day of Tishrei is Yom Kippur. And we're going to throw in another number and then we'll get, we'll finish this up. So the Gemar, the Talmud says that the word Hasatan, the Satan, the, the angel in charge of, of uh, making us sin, of making us stumble, of, of telling us that we're okay if we commit sins. That's just the job of that angel. The numerical value of the Satan in the Hebrew letters is 364. Now, how many days are in the calendar, or the yearly calendar? 365. Because there's one day of the year that the Satan has no power over us. He's quite, it doesn't make a difference. He doesn't talk to us because it doesn't help. And that is the, on Yom Kippur, the day of the Jewish Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year. And the Satan knows there's no he has no business talking to us. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna he's not gonna convince us of committing any sins. And so the Jewish people, they came to Ahasuerus' party in Shushan, where they were invited for the first day of the party, did the second, third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth day, but the seventh day, they did not. Because the seventh day was the tenth day of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. On that day, nobody was convinced by the Satan, by the by that angel, to commit any sins. So they did Oh, they had to now do their repentance for six six days of joining Ahasuerus' feast and not seven. And we learned this from the fact that the Megillah tells us six words to describe how they are sad now and mourning and fasting, crying, wailing, sackcloth and ashes. Anyways, on to verse four. Esther's maids and chamberlains came and told her about it, and the queen was terrified. She sent garments with which to dress Mordechai so that he would remove his sackcloth from upon him, but he did not accept them. And um, 
why there were people telling Esther what's going on with Mordechai? Well, Mor Esther, everyone knew Esther always has a special interest in Mordechai. She's always asking what's going on with him. So um, that's why um, people figured there's something interesting happening to Mordechai. We should probably probably let her know. And um, why did she suddenly get all stressed out about this? Why did she realize something terrible must have happened? Because she realized if Mordechai would have some private um, sadness happening to him, a private issue, he would have mourned privately. But the fact that he's doing it now out in the public, out in the open, means this is a community-wide issue. And this is why she's getting very concerned and wants to hear from Mordechai exactly what's going on. Um, and she wants to send Mordechai his special garments so that he can be dressed properly so he's allowed to enter the royal palace because you're not entering the royal palace in your in your sackcloth and ashes. But Mordechai, um, as it says in the verse, did not accept them. He doesn't want He doesn't want to stop praying. He says, right now, my first reaction to this situation, I need to start praying. I need to have my spiritual preparations. Once that is, is more or less, start, the process is started properly, then Esther, I can talk to you and we can figure out a, a physical solution to our issues. So verse five, Esther summoned Hatach. Or Hasach, one of the king's chamberlains whom he had placed in her service, and she commanded him to go to Mordechai to find out the meaning of this and what it was about. Now, who was this Hatach or Hasach? It's another name for the prophet Daniel. Now, the Hebrew, why was he suddenly called Hatach? Because it's related to the Hebrew word for cut, because he was cut down. He used to be the advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and to the future kings also. But at this point, he was just one of the many servants. Yes, an important servant, but just one of the servants in the palace. And um, another comment that we have under verse 5 is that... Um, until now, everyone realized how special Daniel was. Even though he's serving in the court of kings that are full of idol worship and full of themselves and all that kind of stuff, but he is a special Jew. He's able to to handle this. But now he he gets a demotion. He gets a cut in his uh, in in his uh, special status because now it became known that not just Daniel is a special Jew. Every Jew is special. When we, when it comes down to it, everyone is ready to give to um, um, to connect to their Judaism, is proud of their Judaism. Because a lot of people all over the world at that point, at that time, all the Jewish people, they could have said, you know what, if it's the decree is against the Jewish people, I'll just give up my Jewish Jewish faith. I'll say I'm becoming a non-Jew from now on, and let me, uh, I'll be spared from this decree. But that's not what is not a single Jew in the world said that. Not a single Jew said, I'm fine with giving up my Judaism if that will save my life. They all said, if it means I'll be killed, so be it. But I'm not going to give up my Jewish faith. Which until now, we had seen it clearly with Daniel. There are a lot of stories with Daniel how he stayed strong to his Jewish faith, even though he wasn't in, in, in terrible king's palaces. He never gave up um, on his Jewish faith. So oh, everybody said, oh, that's special. Daniel is someone special. But now we realize, no. I mean, yes, Daniel still is special, but every single Jew has this capacity to be special. So we see that in how the Megillah doesn't call him Daniel, but says Hatach, the guy who was cut down from his high position, meaning until now we thought only he is, the, is 
spiritually capable of do, doing these things. Now we realize this power is in every single Jew. And like we said before, not just in the days of the Purim story, but every Jew nowadays still has that um, potential within them and actually taps into it very often to say proudly, I'm Jewish and I'm not going to give anything up for it. I'm not giving up my Judaism for anything. And uh, we have verse 6. Atach went out to Mordechai, to the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And um, Mordechai told him about all that had happened to him, and about the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the right to destroy the Jews. So here we see, in ver that was verse 7, and then we see under there the comment about all that had happened to him. Um what had happened to him. Mordechai was Queen Esther's relative, an advisor to the king, and he had not participated in the feast which caused the rise of Haman and the threat of this annihilation. So Mordechai himself didn't have to fear this decree. He knew, spiritually speaking, he's going to be fine. God is not upset with Mordechai. Mordechai didn't take part of this feast. The Jewish people that did are in trouble now, but God is fine with Mordechai. He's happy with Mordechai. And Mordechai said, no, I'm the leader. And the true leader doesn't just oh, feel bad if people in my community are suffering. No, he's one with everyone. If people are, are sad and unhappy or feel troubled by something, the leader feels so too. If people are happy, the leader feels happy too. So that's why the Megillah is telling us how everything that happened to him, it just shows us what a great leader Mordechai was. Even though personally he didn't have to worry about a thing, God is not upset with him, but he sees it as his personal trouble. Because if the Jewish community is in trouble, Mordechai feels he's in trouble. Now, why does he suddenly tell Esther about the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the right to destroy the Jews? Because that showed us earlier, we had that, um, I think, two chapters ago, that Haman comes, or was it last chapter? Last chapter, probably. That Haman came to Achishverosh and said, here, I want to destroy the Jewish people. Here's some money, so you don't have to lose out on the taxes they're meant to be paying you or anything. And Achishveir said, no, it's not about the money. I don't care about the money. Keep the money for yourself. I'm very happy to get the Jewish people destroyed. Showing us what an anti-Semite Achishveir himself was. So now Mordechai is telling Esther about this. In case she's going to come up with a solution. Well, why don't we just bribe the king? No, this is beyond bribes. There's no money involved over here. Haman tried to offer money, but Achishverosh is such a pure and pure evil anti-Semite that it's not about the money. He's happy to lose out on taxes or whatever the Jews would, Jews would be paying him. Happy to, to, to not have that as long as he can get rid of the Jewish people. Verse 8, he also gave him a copy of the law that was proclaimed in Shushan, calling for their annihilation, to show Esther, to tell her about it, to instruct her to go to the king, to beseech him, and to plead with him on behalf of her nation. Now, why is it that Esther didn't know about the decree? One opinion says she very much kept to herself. She was very modest, so she didn't hear the goings-on that's going on uh, outside of her, her uh, inner chambers. But, as we said earlier, there were two letters being sent out. One letter was in general, there's going to, guys, everyone get ready. Something is going to be happening at some point somewhere at this and this date. But there was a second letter, confidential. And that was sent to the governors and the high officials. And that had the true information, the inside information that the plan is, that it's all about killing the Jewish people. And that letter was sealed. 
and it had instructions that it should not be opened before the 13th day of Adar, the, the day that the whole action is going to take place. These letters had all the information about uh, everyone should go out and attack the Jewish people in their local cities and plunder all their possessions. So the other letter that everyone got to see was just something is going to be happening on the 13th of Adar. There's going to be some sort of war, but it didn't say exactly who the enemy was and who's going to be attacked on that day. That way, not everyone would be aware of Haman's terrible plan. And the Jews wouldn't have time to prepare or try to escape or try to um, somehow convince the king otherwise. But Mordechai, as we said in verse 1 of this chapter, learned of all that had been done. He knew. He knew the inside scoop. And he knew that Haman is planning to destroy all the Jewish people. And this is what he sent to Esther, a copy of the decree. That, which was dis distributed to the public, the one that everyone gets to see, to be, well, it looks pretty generic. Oh, something is going to happen on the 13th of Adar. And he told her, but that's not an, that's not everything. There's more inside information. The inside scoop is that this is meant as an attack on the Jewish people. And now you need to go tell the king about your nationality. Until now, I told you to hide it. Now you need to share it with Achishver. Tell him who you are. Tell him you're Jewish. And tell him that he that this decree about getting all the Jews killed means that he will be responsible for again killing his own queen and in this case Achishverj will not be happy to kill Esther because he was very fond of her. So verse 9 Hatach went and relayed the words of Mordechai to Esther. And Esther passes a message right back in verse 10 Esther told Hatach to relate to Mordechai. Verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes to the king and enters the inner courtyard without being summoned, his is but one verdict, execution. Except for the person to whom the king extends his golden scepter, only he shall live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for 30 days now. That she is telling him, if I would go to the king now, I'm going to be in trouble. I can't just come by myself. The rule is, you can only come to the king if he calls for you. Even if you're married to him, if the king does not call for you, you're not welcome to go there. And if you show up by yourself, the punishment is death. And we know he Achishverosh follows the laws perfectly. Like he killed his own wife Vashti earlier. I'm not risking it now, but Mordechai, don't worry about it. Naturally speaking, in a few days, probably Achishverosh will be calling me anyways. Because I haven't been called over to him for 30 days already. So we'll just wait a few days and then automatically he'll he'll want me he'll call me over but they relayed esther's words to mordechai and then verse 13 mordechai said to relay to esther do not think that you'll escape the fate of all the jews by being in the king's palace you're not any safer than the rest of us esther verse 14 for if you'll remain silent at this time relief and salvation will come to the jews from another source and you and the house of your father will be lost. And who knows if it's not for just such a time that you reach this royal position. We need to take action now, Esther. If you're not going to, if you're not willing to take the action now, God will will find a way, different way of, to save us. But maybe this is the whole purpose why we're going through this ridiculous situation. That you are this Jewish lady married to an anti-Semite evil king stuck in a royal palace, prisoner in a golden cage, basically. Maybe all this had to happen just so that now you can use your position to help the Jewish people. And if you don't want to do that, well, remember how we said earlier that there's a whole backstory going on that really um, 
Mordechai and Esther, both relatives, came from King Saul, King Shaul. And he was supposed to have killed Amalek, and he didn't. And from that, Haman was supposed to come. So God said, I'm giving you this family, this family of, of King Shaul from back then. I'm giving you the chance now to fix up what went wrong so many years previously. Now you have a chance to stop Amalek's plan of destroying the Jewish people. And that's what Mordechai tells Esther. If you don't, don't take care of it now, you lose this chance, then you and the house of your father will be lost. You'll be, you'll be missing the opportunity for you to fix up what our ancestor, the house of our father, King Shaul, messed up previously by not killing um, the entire nation of Amalek, as he had been told then by the prophet Shmuel. And verse 15, Esther said to relate to Mordechai, verse 16, Go and gather all the Jews who are in Shushan and fast for my sake. Do not eat and do not drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I shall also fast in the same way. And then I shall go to the king, though it is unlawful. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther says, okay, fine. I agree with you, Mordechai. I'm not going to wait to see if the king is going to call me in the next few days. I know I need to take action now. I will take action now. Don't worry, I'm going to do it. First, please, we need to have our spiritual uh, preparations ready. Please gather all the Jewish people. Like we said before earlier, how Haman told Ahasuerus, the Jewish people are a nation that's scattered and dispersed among all other nations, meaning they're currently lacking any unity. And that's what God does not like. If the Jewish people are not united, God is not happy. So Esther says, now our solution is Mordechai to go and gather all the Jews, get everyone together. Now we're going to show our unity. And that's a spiritual message to God. Sorry, God, you can take away the decree now because we're not disconnected anymore from each other. We're all united now. And we're going to, um, Esther says, I'm going to fast, even though physically speaking, it doesn't make sense. If I'm trying to charm the king into listening to me and, and saving my life and the life of my people, you would think that Esther's going to try to look her very, very best physically. But she says, no, because I know this is not about physical preparations. What we need now is we need spiritual preparations. We need to make the heavenly king happy. And I'm not going to rely on my physical beauty. I'm going to rely on my spiritual preparations, which include fasting for three nights and days. So even though usually a fast day is just one day, one night in a day, but this is one time where the Jewish people said, one second, we, we messed up by joining a party, by eating by a party we shouldn't have. We're going to fix it up by not eating for three days and three nights. And not just the grown-ups, even the children. Everyone was going to be fasting for three nights and days. And um, that's uh, the first part of the verse. And then we see on the comment under verse 16 where it says three days. Because Haman's letters got sent out on the 13th day of the month of Nisan. And then Mordechai okay, made, uh, declared a fast for the 14th, 15th, and 16th day of Nisan. Which is, we mentioned this previously, Nisan is the month in which Passover, Pesach, takes place. And Pesach, we have the commandment to have a Seder. A Passover Seder where we drink wine and eat matzah and eat maror and celebrate the whole Passover story. So here Esther says, okay, Mordechai, we're going to be fasting for three days and three nights. And Mordechai says, hey, hold on, wait, that would include the Pesach Seder, Passover. 
but that's when we need to drink wine and eat matzah and eat mara and all that. So Esther says, yeah, you know, if we don't fast this year, then next year there won't be any Jews to celebrate Passover. So better that we miss out on celebrating Passover properly this year. And we'll show God, hey God, you're upset that this year nobody's celebrating Passover properly. Guess what? If you allow your decree to happen, then next year there won't be anyone celebrating Passover either because there won't be any Jewish people left to celebrate it. And we see this also back in the words of the Megillah. When, because we're going to soon see how Esther invites the king, Ahasuerus and Haman, to a royal feast in her palace. And um, by the second banquet, it says, because she's, she's going to invite him to two banquets. By the second banquet, it says the king and Haman came to drink with Queen Esther. But about the first banquet, it says the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther made doesn't say that Esther herself was eating or drinking anything. Only by the second one it says that. So um, why is that? Because during the first banquet, it was still one of those three days of fasting. And Esther herself was also fasting. It's only after those three days were over. And that's when the second banquet took place. That's why the Megillah is only able to tell us then that more that Esther drank with them. She was able to break her fast then. Now, we said that the decree was supposed to take place on the 13th day of Adar. Nowadays, we celebrate Purim. We celebrate the victory and that we were saved on the 14th day of Adar. So the 13th day is actually a fast day. And the fast day is called Tanis Esther, the fast of Esther. Now, we know that Esther's fast was not just done by her, right? We're just talking about everyone men women children fasted for three days and three nights well thank god we're our fast is not for that long it's just for one day but actually our fast is not necessarily commemorating this three-day fast we're just talking about now because that fast took place in the month of nisan it was for three days and everyone took, was was doing it but we're going to soon see or not so, in, in a few chapters we're going to see how Ahasuerus amends the decree. He makes a second decree. He says, I'm I'm not going to be able to undo my original decree because according to Persian law, I cannot rip up my decree. So I cannot undo that everyone is allowed to attack the Jewish people on the 13th day of Adar. What I could do is make a second decree that says that all Jewish people are permitted to defend themselves and fight right back. And so that is what ended up happening on the 13th day of Adar, that not just everyone was attacking the Jews, but the Jews were fighting right back and saving their lives. And they were successful and they killed many of their enemies, so much so that other people were scared to attack, to continue attacking the Jewish people. And that's how we all survived. That's what we're celebrating. So when the Jewish people had to have their physical fight on the 13th day of Adar, um, when the decree was taking place, they weren't allowed to fast because if they know they need to physically win a war right now, they need to physically fight their lives, then this is what they need to do. In a way, you could kind of uh, not compare it, but just to, to get a little bit of insight, that let's say during the Holocaust, when the only food available was not kosher food, that's what a lot of Jewish people ended up eating because if the, the commandment to save your life is more important than anything else. If that means that right now the only food that's available, and if they're not going to eat it, 
is uh, they're going to die. And so they're going to have to eat not kosher food. That's what they're going to have to do as soon as the wartime is over. And it's not a matter of life and death anymore, whether you eat the, the not kosher food or not. So that's when all Jews or the, the, the people who wanted to keep kosher stopped eating the not kosher food. They said, well, during a time of war, when it's a matter of life and death, I could eat it. Now... I cannot. That's what the Jewish people, they fasted for three days and nights during the month of Nisan when they were doing their repentance, uh, the spiritual uh, uh, preparation to get to revert this decree, but the heavenly decree. But when it comes to that actual 13th day of Adar when they had to fight, they had to do their physical best to make sure that they win. So they couldn't fast. They made sure they were as strong as possible so they can fight as hard as possible to kill any of the enemies that are coming to try to kill them. It's a matter of life and death. So they made sure to eat. Esther, on the other hand, was the only one in the nation who was safe and sound in the royal palace. She didn't have to fight anyone. So she was able to spend that day fasting. And that's why nowadays when we fast on the 13th day of Adar, Tanis Esther, the fast of Esther, we're, we're fasting just like Esther was the one who was fasting that day when all the Jewish people were eating so that they would have energy to fight and uh, win. Anyways, the last verse of the chapter, verse 17, Mordechai then left and did, did all that Esther had instructed him. Because according to the Zohar, like we were saying before, Hashem really enjoys Passover. He enjoys when all the Jewish people celebrate Pesach. When they come, eat their matzah, eat their moror, their bitter herbs, and drink the wine or grape juice, and celebrate the whole retelling of the story of the exodus of Egypt. He loves it. And the divine presence of, of God comes to join every Seder, Passover Seder table. No matter if it's a, a big Passover Seder, or just one person sitting at their table at home munching some matzah, God says, you're doing this for me. This is such a tremendous mitzvah. I'm so happy you're doing this. I'm coming to join you right there where you are. So again, it doesn't make a difference if you're doing this with, with 50 people or with the three generations of your family, or you're just sitting by yourself or with one other friend or family member. It's okay. God says, any, any way or shape or form that you're celebrating Passover, I'm coming to join you. I love it. I love it when Jewish people celebrate Passover. But that year, so Esther said, we're going to be fasting. No, Mordechai. We're going to gather all the Jewish people, and they're all going to be fasting those three days and three nights. And... God is going to have to miss out on celebrating Passover with us this year. And he's going to regret. He's going to say, oh, no, if I am if I can't celebrate Passover this year because everybody is fasting, even more so than the next few years, I'm not going to be able to or ever again celebrate Passover if I allow all the Jewish people to be um, killed. So Esther was planning this whole thing on purpose to make sure that God will not allow the decree to happen and... Um, save all the Jewish people. And that was chapter 4. Chapter 5. We're going to get uh, serious business. We're going to try to revert the decree. But that's for next time.